This is the Engaging Mobility Podcast, where we discuss topics related to transportation and aging, and consider the intersection of longevity and the social need for being able to move around in our communities. I'm Terry Cassidy, and I co-host this podcast with Susie Tichinski. We are so glad you've joined us today. I'm here with Cheryl Gross Glazer today for the inaugural episode of the Engaging Mobility podcast. Cheryl is a somewhat recovered lawyer who studies automated vehicle developments and planning shared use modes with a focus on rural, older adult, and disability issues in order to educate transit and transportation professionals, to collaborate with other AV interested sectors, and to press the priorities of accessibility and transportation equity to governmental agencies and legislatures. Thank you so much, Cheryl, for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. This is really just so exciting to me. And I do want to start out by also reading something that you wrote. I I was first introduced to you through the newsletter for the National Center for Mobility Management, which you edit. And this paragraph just really stood out to me and um, honestly is part of what led me to ask you to be here today. So I just want to read this. This is a full life requires transportation to get wherever we're going. And we all prefer convenience and comfort as part of that package. Whether those rides are to a doctor or to a park, to a job or to a museum or to a grocery store or to a church, let us make sure that we keep in mind that transportation means connection and independence. And I just love that on so many levels. (laughs) I'm wondering if you could start out by just telling us a little bit more about your background and how you've gotten so involved in transportation. Sure. Well, I was working in a field completely unrelated to transportation, which was criminal defense. (laughs) And um, my work in criminal defense led me to working for a large publishing company where I managed a set of publications. And then like much of the publishing industry, there were mergers and acquisitions and my job moved hundreds of miles away and I wasn't willing to move with it. So, I took a little time off and I became more involved in my own community and involved in land use and transportation issues. And so when when I decided to um, re-enter the workforce and not just do some freelance work, I actually started looking in transportation and someone I knew a little bit had a job available and they said, it seems very interesting. And I'll just say when I started this second career, I had a series of um, not quite panic attacks going from something I really knew well and felt very comfortable in to going into a different, completely different field. But I'm so glad that I did because um, transportation is really about helping lots of people get to where they need to go in life. Absolutely. And I feel like it's one of those things that we know if we stop and think about it, but we also kind of take transportation for granted. A lot of us who have, you know, the good fortune to not have to worry about transportation. And often we think about transportation in the form of private automobile use. I feel like we don't often stop and really consider how integral it is for us to be able to move around in our communities. 
And I'm wondering if you can share your thoughts on how access to transportation, or as I would put it in the occupational therapy world, access to community mobility, how that impacts individuals and kind of on a larger scale, how it impacts societies. Well, it impacts individuals on every conceivable level. If, if your car breaks down or you're unable to afford to maintain a vehicle or you don't have as many vehicles as you might need in a household, it means that in some way, shape, or form, you're either compromising or missing out on jobs, education, access to food and groceries, medical care, and just enjoying life in general, that you're going to have to cut back or eliminate those things. And no one enjoys a full life by sitting at home all the time. In terms of our economy, you know, we all have to, to work to contribute to the economy. So if you can't get to a job or some member of your household is unable to do that or their job is um, less secure because they don't have a reliable form of transportation, then... You know, I think we all suffer for that. Um, we certainly all suffer if healthcare costs go up because people can't get to routine care or can't get healthy groceries or can't, you know, otherwise keep in shape because we have a transportation system that is so focused on one mode. That is very true. And I just can relate because so much of working as an occupational therapist is helping people really access that full life that you're talking about. So oftentimes maybe recovery after an injury, but then moving on beyond just recovering to get back home, but then getting to engaging in the community. Now, somewhat of a new term for me, um, and I think for maybe some other people, is mobility management. Would you talk to us a little bit about what that means or what that field consists of? Sure. Mobility management is a philosophy in some respects. It's a holistic, systemic view of a transportation um, ecosystem, if you will, and expanding, improving, and making available transportation choices, even ones that are already there that people might not know about. And that that philosophy acts differently in different places due to um, available transportation resources, the different community partners who exist, and even um, different cultural contexts of how different groups work together and who makes things happen in particular communities. But it's all about making sure that um, people get to where they need to go, and that also will look different in different communities. And it's just, hopefully, it's, it's expanding those options as well as enabling people to know what options exist. Absolutely. And I do know that there's a lot of people, let's use driving transition, for example, who feel like if they stop driving, they can't do anything anymore. <laughs> They're, like when you mention options that exist, but people may not know about them, I think that is a really big area. And it's good to know I mean, that people are doing my, it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'll just take my mother as an example. Um, before I, I came into transportation, I remember asking my mother because she had arthritis. And so some days she could drive perfectly well, and other days she didn't feel 
getting comfortable getting behind the wheel. And I asked her if there were other choices. And she said, I, you know, I think there are things, but you have to sit around for a few hours and, and wait for them. So she, you know, it was sort of somebody told her who heard from somebody else who heard from somebody else. And she really didn't have a picture of what existed. And I would think that um, in a lot of places, I know where I live, it's true, but I'm sure in other places, there are some options. They may not be complete options, maybe they're partial options to, to go to particular places or at particular times, but they do exist and they may be more convenient and friendlier than people know, but people often just have not heard about them. Yes. And, and I think this topic of, you know, within our broader topic here of transportation and aging, so thinking about mobility management, in particular for an aging population, how would people find somebody to help? <laughs> Where do mobility managers work or, or what would be kind of an ideal model at least? Well, I won't say there's an ideal model only because communities really do differ, but there are mobility managers who are housed in different um, types of organizations. One is public transportation agencies, Another uh, are AAA, so area agencies on aging or aging and resource aging. Resource, I'm, I'm saying this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, aging resource and disability centers or aging and disability resource centers. I'm sorry. There we go. I'm in, Thank I'm you. in Washington, so I know the acronyms, but not always what they stand for. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so those are different ones. Um, centers for Independent Living are other ones. Um, often you'll have somebody who's performing in a mobility management role, but that's not necessarily their title. It may be transportation coordinator or community navigator, as well as, you know, mobility management or mobility coordinator. Um, there are people who work even statewide in departments of transportation or in um, health and human services agencies who perform this kind of role statewide and promoting uh, mobility management and transportation throughout a state. There are some uh, AERP state chapters that may not have a mobility manager, but they are working to promote transportation choices. You have programs like the American Cancer Society Road to Recovery Program that will work with mobility management um, folks in different places. So there's, there's different avenues for reaching someone in mobility management, even people who don't even, aren't even necessarily even aware that that's the role that they're performing. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so they wouldn't have that title for sure if they don't <laughs> realize it in that those terms, but that is actually what they're doing. Exactly, exactly. And with the National Center for Mobility Management, is the goal to try to tie some of these various um, jobs, roles, people together? Our, our goal, we're, first of all, we're, we are um, three organizations that work together to um, staff the National Center, and one is the Community Transportation Association of America, where I work, but okay. also the American Public Transportation Association and Easter Seals. And we've been working all together for a number of years with FTA. Um, we fund different things. 
we fund some small grant programs. Um, we've concentrated a lot on access to health care. Uh, we fund um, outreach, so outreach through Twitter, through LinkedIn, and through the newsletter. We work with different organizations, and we work with um, a number of government agencies that form the CCAM, which I will, okay. Another um, acronym. It's another acronym, which I should not only should know, but do know, but it's, it's, it's agencies that are working together on access and mobility. Um, we have very active participation from the Department of Labor, for example, and Health and Human Services. Um, but, and, and we also keep informed about what other technical assistance centers are doing, because in some ways we're more generalized than they are, and so other technical assistance centers, other shared use mobility center, the Rural Transit Assistance Program, um, and the National Aging and Disability Transportation Center. So we kind of all confer somewhat together to and on that goal of making sure that people uh, get to where they need to go. That is impressive and, and so needed, and it's great to hear of the collaboration. Um, I know for me, as someone who's really not in the uh, involved in transportation on that side as much, but really working with individuals um, around driving retirement and, and making some decisions around driving or return to driving, receiving the newsletter has just been really inspirational to know that these bigger projects are happening and hearing of things that are happening around the country um, is just really exciting to me to hopefully... Um, see more of this happening as we move forward into, as a society, making changes and decisions, not just for individu individuals who are aging, but people with needs of any sort who are needing transportation, as you mentioned. One thing that we've talked about just briefly in the past, and I would love for you to talk about a little bit more, is this term mobility as a service. Can you explain what that is and how that pertains to this discussion? Sure. I'll, I'll explain what it is with, with one caveat, which is that it is sometimes the term that is misused. So if you <laughs> see it um, referring to something a little different than what I'm saying, it's, it's, not, it's because um, there are a lot of people who want to claim that they're part of or providing mobility as a service because it's a popular term. Uh. But basically, um, there, there's two general stages, although some divide into more stages. But it, the, the two general stages would be um, making sure that all publicly available public and private transportation options are available on a single platform at least for information, if not for um, actually booking and paying for rides. So that would be things like, um, you know, are there scooters, bike shares, taxis, you know, Uber and Lyft, um, public transit, if all those things are available, um, can you find all that information in one place? Fantastic. And then, and I'm sorry, then, just a quick question there. Would that generally be a web-based place? Either web-based and or app-based. 
Okay. And it can be phone-based. There are places, there are places where um, it is phone-based. Great. Okay. Thank you. And that's, and that's becoming more and more available as um, private companies and public agencies realize that, you know, they have, they want to serve more people. It's not only that they have to, but they want to. Yeah. So, so that single platform could include even a single telephone number. And then a second level would be um, being able to pay for, for those types of transportation or even being able to pay for like a monthly package. Okay. So potentially and being able to only, pay. I'm sorry. Just potentially being able to take care of the, get the information about the schedule, how to make your trip work, and then also take care of the financial part all in one step right. or one place. Right, right. And often, and there are some, um, there are some public uh, sector examples of this where you can get information about any type of transportation that exists in your area and even book, you know, a ride at, at that same website or, or, you know, have phone access. In terms of what's being developed, and I don't know if there's just one answer to this, do you see more of this coming from the public sector or private sector or combinations? It's a combination. It's really interesting because depending on where you are, the leadership um, is in some places from the public sector. In some cases, it's um, from a nonprofit sector, like AARP is really um, in favor of the idea of universal mobility as a service so that specialized transportation services um, from human services or non-emergency medical care or senior only or, you know, uh, transportation services are also included in whatever information uh, platform there is. And that's a really interesting, just even the term in terms of universal um, mobility as a service, thinking, you know, some of us may be familiar with universal design. So thinking of building structures or features that just make it easier for everybody, not just for one population exactly. or another. So taking that to a mobility, public transit, even private transit um, level makes so much sense. Exactly. Exactly. And it's actually being tested um, in Denmark. There's a program called Flex Denmark, which includes public uh, transportation and all these different transportation services, and it, it's being tried out in rural areas. Really? And do you know kind of what what different portions that would include? Like like in that example, um, what types of transportation are, are part of that chain? So they're using it with um, like getting seniors to um, activities during the day, getting people to medical care. They have a whole sort of behind the scenes way they do the transactions involving different agencies. Um, so it's, it's a very nice, a very nice template. Okay. Um, there, there's a program in upstate New York that, um, 
would like to start this and they, they've been working on planning it for a while. So I, I think they are moving toward testing it out. And it theoretically could involve rides in some sort of van or bus or even private vehicle as part of it, exactly. but not the whole right. as, the whole thing? As part of that, and even include something like a van pool or carpool in that, so that it would really be inclusive of whatever options are in a given place. Because as we all know, um, there are places without transit and there are places without Uber and Lyft and other other options. Absolutely. One more thing to touch on, and we don't have a lot of time, and I think it may need to be a whole separate section, is is there anything you want to say in regard to automated vehicles and the senior population? Sure. I think we have to really um, follow the example of, of the folks who uh, advocate 80 or 88, I'm not sure what it is, but, but the idea that if a community is friendly, if transportation is friendly to people who are both 80 and 8 years old, you've pretty much made it um, made a system that's much better for everyone. I mean, the, it's like the curb cut effect, right? We all yeah. use curb cuts, even though they were designed to help people with wheelchairs. They actually help a whole the broader public uh, every day. So, in terms of um, automated vehicles. Since we are in the planning stage, they're not coming out, you know, anytime in the immediate future and abroad, you know, in every community to take us everywhere. Now it's really the time to embed accessibility into them so that people are not limited from fully engaging in life just because they're temporarily in a wheelchair or they uh, their vision is failing or, or whatever. And to really think about them in terms of different business and service models, whether that's transit or whether that's ride hailing or even regular cars. I, you know, I like to say that I don't think a mom was involved when Henry Ford was designing the Model <laughs> T, or else we would have a much better vehicle. We wouldn't have had to, we wouldn't have had for the last hundred years to have taken children out of a stroller, for example, or I like that. take our groceries and unpack and repack them every time, you know, we go to a grocery store, things like that. Like, let's just rethink um, the convenience and accessibility of transportation. That is very inspirational. And, you know, we hear so much just kind of in, in general press about automated vehicles. And I don't think this topic is brought up very often just kind of on the news or something. So it's it's good to hear that there is attention being paid to it and that hopefully there will be more. There is attention. And I'll tell you what's really wonderful is that there is are people paying attention to it and not only from the nonprofit sector but um, at the Department of Transportation and at certain um, automobile companies and at some of the tech startups you know not all but some and I think that is creating pressure on other companies to Good. at least um, give lip service if not even more <laughs> to address yeah. these issues. Well, it makes so much sense. And, and certainly with the, the numbers and our 
population and demographics, it makes sense for a lot of reasons. So that is fantastic. Exactly. And everybody wants to be independent. Nobody wants to have to depend on others to get everywhere they need to go. So the more accessibility we have with a broader number of people, the better. I love it. Is there anything else that you would like to share um, just really for those of us that are out here working with older adults, um, things for us to keep in mind or to be looking for in our communities or just any last thoughts you have for us? My last thought would be that people really want to be independent. And so whether you're enabling that as an occupational therapist who's teaching someone how to reuse their bathroom after surgery, or you're helping them uh, get to that first doctor's appointment and then hopefully gradually re-emerge and and become fully engaged in life, that it's really important to address transportation as part of that. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I appreciate all that you're doing. It's so amazing. I will post some links to some of the organizations that you talked about um, on our website. And I'm just so thrilled that you had the time to come talk to me today. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for the work you do because you really make, uh, you really improve people's lives in immeasurable ways. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Engaging Mobility Podcast. You can find links for further information on the website, www.engagingmobility.org. I want to thank the Colorado Department of Transportation, Health Promotion Partners, and Adaptive Mobility Services for their support of this podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Terry Cassidy. I have a doctorate in occupational therapy, and I'm a certified driver rehabilitation specialist. As the owner of Health Promotion Partners, I help clients stay active in their community and make healthy decisions about transportation and aging in place. To learn more, visit my website, www.healthpromotionpartners.com. Susie Tachinsky is an occupational therapist, certified driver rehab specialist, and has achieved her specialty certification in driving and community mobility. She is the owner of Adaptive Mobility, a private company that provides client driver rehab services and education for practitioners seeking to become driver rehab specialists. Learn more at adaptivemobility.com or through her Facebook group, Driving Rehab for the OT.